0: Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack
2: Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I hate the media. Just do a better job, media. So the story I had yesterday, I don't remember who it was. Posts, Times, I don't know. It's been there for over 100 years. 187 years. That is over 100 years. You're right. Huh. But there's, you know, big difference. For 187 years, practically the entire existence of our country, this Thomas Jefferson statue, has peered down on the people of City Hall as they do their work. But they voted yesterday to get it out of there because Thomas Jefferson was a slaveholder, so we can't have him there. It doesn't matter if he wrote the Declaration of Independence, if he was responsible for doubling the size of America, if go down the list of all the things. If he established he practically alone, along with Madison, establishing the separation of church and state in this country, which is a radical idea the world had never seen before. It uh, doesn't matter if he was involved in that because he was a slaveholder. So it doesn't matter the efforts he made to try to get slavery abolished in his own state and then in the country, but was not able to do it. If you're a fan of history, you know why. Maybe we'll get into that with Tim Sandler for later. But doesn't none of that matters. He's got to go. The stupidity or the egotism of it. It's
3: hard to pick a favorite because it's, it's just this, this whole story is running thick with both. The stupidity, not knowing any of those things you just said, not understanding that that was the state of the world. Slavery was ubiquitous. It was all over the place. And, and just the, the ideas about race, it was just, it was hundreds of years ago. That's just the way people thought. And then the egotism of it, which, you know, almost nobody talks about this except Bill Maher, who joins me in this. You're not better than Thomas Jefferson you just came after him in a different time don't sit there. The implied statement is I am better and more pure than Thomas Jefferson. I can judge him. I will shun his statue. I will have it torn down because he was not as morally upstanding as me. That's
2: what all of those people are saying with their stupid, stupid misunderstanding of history. If you, uh, we're going to have Tim Sandifer on, uh, Tim the lawyer, longtime friend of the show. I, I was stewing about this yesterday because the, now that we're into taking down statues of the founding fathers. Wow. Uh, a student about this yesterday and it just popped into my head that I, there's hardly a better defender of Thomas Jefferson I know of than Tim Sandifer. So we texted him and he's going to be on the show a little bit later to talk about Thomas Jefferson. But, uh, you t- go to YouTube and just, uh, type in the search bar Christopher Hitchens Thomas Jefferson because he, he wrote a book about Thomas Jefferson and he's given a bunch of amazing speeches. Uh, supporting TJ, no right-winger Christopher Hitchens, by the way. Um uh, But one of the things he pointed out is that Thomas Jefferson had slaves, and he goes through that whole thing, and uh, a lot of the founding fathers of the South did. be said, people leave out all the New York businessmen who, while they didn't have slaves, because they wouldn't have been able to profit from it, because there's no way you're going to grow cotton in the New York area. The, the number of slave traders that became rich from New York that get glossed over by history. There were plenty of people involved in that horrible, horrible thing, slavery, uh, at the time. Um, but uh, uh, overlooking that is, uh, is is easier. Some of these city council people, you know, um we learned during what was it recently that we learned that oh the election that went so poorly in New York the reason they had so much trouble counting all the votes is all the people involved in the uh, the election committee are all cousins and grandmothers and kids and stuff like that oh, they have yeah. such a patronage thing but i'm sure there are plenty of people in power in New York today you can trace their their lineage back to people that were slave traders if not slave holders right um, right but they so, lived in a different time as joe just pointed out So what's going on here, you might ask? Well, I would quote Orwell,
3: George Orwell, from 1984. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right.
2: They did that in roughly 1790 in France, and it didn't go well. Lots and lots of people died, and it was very, very, violent period for, for quite a while before basically a dictator came along Napoleon to settle things down Is that what we want? Everything to just go to hell? Absolutely fall apart? I hope not Anyway, the fact that they're bringing down a Thomas Jefferson statue from you know the Confederate statues Okay, I get it you get your argument? Makes perfectly good sense? Sure.
3: You, Do we need a 50-foot Robert E. Lee in Richmond? Probably not.
2: Columbus. Okay, I get it. I don't think it's bothering anybody that you got Columbus there at the corner of your park. I don't think it makes... but Okay, fine. But when you're getting into the founding fathers of the the last best hope of the world, as Obama, Barack Obama, tweeted out yesterday. The founding fathers that created that. When you're starting to tear them down, that's a, that's a big deal. And this statue standing... In City Hall, in our biggest city, New York, just amazing. It's impossible to know, but how many of the folks do you
3: think who voted for that sincerely believed? well, you know, Jefferson was a bad guy because he owned slaves, And how many of them were just terrified of the extremist left, the elitist extremist left, the cancel culture?
2: I think it's absolutely the latest. They couldn't be on the wrong side of that. Yeah, I just, I wonder, is it, is it a two to one? Is it a half and a half? Is it 10% of them actually thought Jefferson should go and 90% of them were terrified? I'd like to know. Here's Barack Obama's tweet yesterday. He was talking about Colin Powell. But it's important, I think, that he said it. Barack Obama tweeted out, for all the battles he fought and problems he solved. Talking about Colin Powell. Michelle and I will always look to General Powell as an example of what America and Americans can and should be if we wish to remain the last best hope of Earth. So he quoted Colin Powell, but included that phrase. Barack Obama believes the United States is the last best hope of earth. He's right. And the people that created that should not have their statues taken down.
3: Because they were typical of their period that's to a, a large extent. That's
2: a black guy, by the way, that tweeted that out yesterday.
0: Okay? Obama. That's right,
2: Hank. I I do wish and uh and, and I wish Colin Powell. With all the gravitas he had as a, as a, as a, you know, a black guy had become so successful in this country. I wish he'd have weighed in more on these issues. I wish Barack Obama would weigh in more on these issues. Spend a little of your capital. I know it would upset some of your friends that are going to come to your cool 70th birthday party that you throw, but, you know, take some of that capital you've got and, and, and jump into some of these conversations, Barack Obama. And because I don't believe he thinks that's a good idea to bring down the Thomas Jefferson statue. Jump into some of these and 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 spend some of that political capital. I wish they would. Yeah, yeah, here, here. Before we go too much further down this road, it's a bad road. Sometimes you find yourself further down a road and you think and you can't turn around anymore. You know what I paid for my extension cord? No, it's a heavy duty. I'm a big believer in the heavy duty extension cord. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they cost a lot more. How long is it? Uh, it's a fifty footer.
3: Oh, that's a serious cord. Yeah, orange,
2: uh, yellow, bright yellow. Okay, I can accept yellow. <laughs> does it light up at the
3: end when you plug it in? You know uh, what I'm talking about. I think
2: it does. Yeah. Really? That's a little fancy for my taste. Well, it's, it's it's, go on. I, I love that because you don't have to get some sort of uh, outlet tester to know your outlets working. If you plug something in and it's not running, okay, do I have electricity? Well, you know, because it lights up. Yeah, um, this okay. is a serious course. You cord. say so. With tax, about a hundred dollars. No, no, stop it. I'm not. Holy I'm not gonna, crap! It's the only one they had. At a, at a big hardware store of, of national net name, I won't mention. You are blanking kidding I me. know. Jeez Louise, I'm stunned by this. And I said, I saw a $100 extension cord with tax. He said, yeah, it's the only one we got, and we, you know, we don't know where we're going to get more. The supply chain thing, all those container ships. I went through the portage yesterday. If you want me to go through it again, I will. Oh, don't, don't, boy. Don't. More port talk. <laughs> <laughs>
3: People really! Oh, the emails just lit up. Everyone
2: One of those ships has enough to fill three malls. That's how much stuff is on those ships, and they're just sitting out there. Do railroad yards next, <laughs> Uncle Jack? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll shut up about Thomas Jefferson and ports <laughs> no, no, no. no, for a little while. No,
3: but we got to talk about Jefferson. We have to. My God, it's important. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm telling you, so it, that cord story—it's chilled me to the bone. I mean,
2: what's <laughs> what's it going to cost to get a pair of running shoes? Well, uh, you grab your little package of bacon, and it's nine freaking dollars to fry up a little bacon. That's I got to
3: start raising hogs, <laughs> Judy. If you're listening, check the homeowners association rules. See if we can raise hogs. How
2: many hogs are you allowed to have? Well, right, right, and and you know what? Oh, I'll have half
3: a dozen hogs in my backyard. Somebody complains, I'll say they're dogs. Those are my dogs. <laughs> They look like pigs to me.
2: Yeah, well mind your own business. Bigot. They big it. They identify as hogs. Exactly.
3: They're uh pork retrievers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong, he's Joe Getty, we're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we
3: are too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth.
2: Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts.
3: This is kind of a, a multi-step process, but hang with me. Um, ultimately, this is about the United States. I came across a really interesting uh, piece in the Washington Post that they're one of the political parties and one of the big stars of that right-wing political party, whatever that means in India. And it means something quite different um, there. But he's proposed a a two-child maximum, a bill pushing for smaller families. Because India has an exploding population. In fact, they're going to pass up China, they think, in 2027. Right around the corner. In terms of population. I didn't
2: realize that. India's gonna be the biggest country in the world in a few years. Okay.
3: That's what they say. But if you dig a little deeper, uh, it, it has to do with the belief among a lot of Hindus in India that the Muslim population is exploding, particularly in that part of India that this guy's talking about. And that though they are a minority, soon they will take over and they will force, uh, you know, the forced marriages. And there are all sorts of, um, there are all sorts of predictions and, and like boogeymen and stuff. Some with the uh, tie to reality, some fairly unhinged in the way that sort of uh, tribal thing happens. I'll tell you right now, Hindus, uh, were 84%. Um, in 10 years, 10 years ago, they're now 80%. Muslims have increased by 4.2%. To what? And, uh, to 14.2%. So
2: 14% of a country with a billion people is 140 million people.
3: Correct. Yeah. It's, it's worth observing. That's a lot
2: yeah. of, that's a lot of people.
3: Yeah. Um, and, and they compare it to some American, uh, demographic trends, which I think is silly for reasons that I'm going to get to in a second but there are so-called right wingers on the march talking about illegal immigration from Bangladesh forced uh, conversions uh, love jihad a term used by Hindu nationalists who allege muslim men are marrying and converting hindu women as part of a campaign et etc
2: so that would be the um, two biggest countries in the world making up what a third roughly a third of the world's population where the government tells you how many kids you can have something that we can't even imagine in the united states and shouldn't the idea of the government telling us how many kids we can have. Right, right. And
3: I think this Indian politician is mostly pandering to some of those fears I was talking about. Um, but it's crazy anybody would propose it. I mean, to, this is kind of an aside to the point I wanted to make, but... You know, China's beautiful example of how central planning doesn't work. They had too much population; they couldn't feed everybody. People were starving like crazy, so they said you can only have one kid. Well, by the time they noticed that the demographic trends were heading in a direct, a disastrous direction, and the great central planners, the technocrats—those we must trust—by uh, the time they figured out, whoa, whoa hey, what, what? Uh, we got to have more kids, everybody start having more kids. Well, like all central planners everywhere. They grossly overestimate their own wisdom and their own power to shape events because China has developed a culture of childlessness or of one child and all the resources in a family going toward one child or kids are growing up thinking, I'm not going to have any kids anyway. It doesn't matter. Hmm. So they have a culture of childlessness and all the central planning in the world isn't going to undo it. And China's demographic disaster has already begun. And and honestly, every time people talk about how they're going to take over the world, i you know i try to remind them uh, their population is going to start plunging in about a decade in fact it's already started to shrink anyway getting back to my main thread ethnic religious call it racial hatred and tension are driving indian politics to a large extent now michael if you could do me a favor and uh, play for me Clip number 48. This is Brett Baer from Special Report.
4: Marine Corps Lance Corporal David Lee Espinosa of Rio Bravo, Texas. Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole G. of Sacramento, California. Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover of Salt Lake City, Utah. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Kareem Nakoy of Norco, California. Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Naus of Coryton. Tennessee, Marine Corps Corporal Hunter Lopez of Indio, California, Marine Corps Lance Corporal Riley McCollum of Jackson, Wyoming, Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan Marola of Rancho Cucamonga, California, Marine Corps Corporal Dagan Page of Omaha, Nebraska, Marine Corps Sergeant Johnny Rosario Pachardo of Lawrence, Massachusetts. Marine Corps Corporal Humberto Sanchez of Logansport, Indiana. Marine Corps Lance Corporal Jared Schmitz of St. Charles, Missouri. And Navy Hospitalman, Corpsman Maxton Sabayak of Berlin Heights, Ohio. God bless those soldiers and Marines.
3: I don't know if you, like me, when you're hearing the list of the names or looking at the pictures, noted something fairly notable. You have... uh Sergeant Picardo, you have Nicole G. you have people who are obviously of the Muslim faith, you have Hoover, Hoover's and Lopez's and Sanchez's, you have Espinoza's and Schmitz. you have McCollum's, you have Marola's, you have Soviacs, Karim M. Niko, I apologize to the family, I'm probably mispronouncing his name, God bless him, you have... Virtually every ethnicity, every national origin, every religion you can think of. And as one of my closest friends uh, in high school and college, uh, the late, great uh, Jeffrey Scott Taylor, who was a United States Marine, would tell me, we're all green, man, in the core. We're all green. And I will just tell you that there are forces in America, including in most of our schools, who are trying desperately to turn us into a tribal society trying to use the sins of yesteryear and some of the sins of today to turn us into a society that sees only color, an own tribe. And, you know, I don't know if you're retired or you got plenty of money or, or your kids are grown or whatever, but uh, if you were looking for something to dedicate your life to, stopping that would be a pretty good choice, in my opinion. End of rant.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
4: A New York City government committee has voted unanimously to remove a statue of Thomas Jefferson from City Hall. The statue was constructed in 1833.
2: Statue has been looking over the city council for 187 years in our biggest city. Big, giant, beautiful statue.
3: Taking down the statue of radical anti-slave activist Thomas Jefferson. What? Let's talk to Tim Sandifer. Tim, the lawyer. Vice President for Litigation of the Goldwater Institute, author of many fine tomes, including The Conscience of the Constitution, which deals with the Declaration of Independence and its
2: centrality to the national soul. The Declaration of Independence, which was written by Thomas Jefferson. Howdy, Tim. How are thanks
6: you? For,
3: thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, where do you want to start with this? Did, did my statement that Thomas Jefferson was a radical anti-slave activist, or it's up to you. You're the authority.
6: Well, that might be overstating it. He, in his day, he was uh, r- radical enough in his opposition to slavery to offend people in his own time, and conservative enough by comparison to our day to offend people today. So he kind of, unfortunately, he's in, in, in you know gets it from both sides. But Jefferson was uh, was devoutly opposed to slavery. He came right out repeatedly and said it can't be justified. It's an evil thing. It contradicts the purposes of our of our revolution. And he put his career and his life on the line for those principles, including outright opposition to slavery, in a way that other founding fathers failed to do. I mean, you don't find the you know everybody is so much in love with Alexander Hamilton nowadays. And Alexander
2: Hamilton. Hamilton. Hamilton.
6: Oh, had nowhere near as good a record on the question of slavery as Jefferson did. Or James Madison, for example. I don't think James Madison ever uttered a word in public opposed to slavery, but Jefferson did so repeatedly, including when he was a young lawyer defending a, def- uh, a person who was accused of being a slave, and Jefferson was trying to make the case that he was free. And he, in his oral argument in front of the judge, he attacked slavery so angrily that the judge banged the gavel and ruled against him without even hearing the other lawyer speak. So Jefferson was definitely a has a has a good record on the question of slavery, especially compared to his peers. So this really shows a lot of historical ignorance on the part of the city of New York.
2: But he was a slaveholder until his death. Right. So um, uh, that's the problem that people have with it. So how do you of how course. do you, how do you balance that out? Well, I, well, first of all, I guess you should ask: Do you think these statues should stay up?
6: The honest truth is I don't care, and I don't think Thomas Jefferson would have cared. One thing about him was he was kind of opposed to the idea of making too much of a big deal out of mortal people anyway, so I don't think Jefferson would have cared that they take his statue down. The, but he would have been very concerned about the idea that, of selling to the American people the idea that their revolution was evil. That is a, is not only historically wrong, but incredibly dangerous to the future of free Uh, People in this, not just in this country, but in the entire world who take inspiration from the words of Thomas Jefferson. And the reason why they go after Jefferson really is because it's not about Jefferson. It's about the nation that he so embodies. It's about... Ad hominem on a national scale. Well, if we can smear Thomas Jefferson personally, then we can effectively smear the entire legacy of the United all States. Right.
2: Well, I get what you're saying that he and I am not that uh, into uh, elevating particular human beings, just the, but, but what he stood for, what this is all about, that's a really big deal.
6: Yeah, that's the um, what's really at stake here and why we should all be concerned about this. Now, as for Jefferson personally, absolutely, he he owned slaves, and he only freed very few of his slaves. He died bankrupt he, uh, when he, as a result of choices that made it impossible for him to free his slaves, and he deserves blame for that. You know, I think one problem is a lot of people seem to have this idea that you can't love or admire somebody while simultaneously acknowledging that they did wrong things in their lives. Interesting. That seems bizarre to me. I think it's entirely possible to love and admire Thomas Jefferson while acknowledging that he ought to have made better choices, especially late in life when he could have done something about slavery, and he didn't. And okay, well, America isn't perfect and Americans aren't perfect, but we strive ever toward the goals, the realization of the principles that Thomas Jefferson articulated. It is impossible to denounce slavery without reference to the Declaration of American Independence that he wrote and put his name to at the risk of his
3: life. You know, just, uh, and I'm not trying to excuse Jefferson in any way, but the presentism that's so hot these days makes me insane. It's just so frustrating. Jefferson believed, A, that since the slaves were property under law, the government didn't have the right to unilaterally free them, that it had to be done democratically. And like a lot of people in the South, they feared what would happen when thousands of slaves, uh, tens of thousands of slaves were freed. Because, understandably, They're a little resentful of being slaves. And so it. not to mention they had an economic system that was dependent on slavery or so they thought. Um, And so it was a terrible, terrible conundrum how to undo it. And the fact that Jefferson Jefferson offended his peers by saying this has got to end and we got to figure it out, that's notable. Jefferson said it was like holding a wolf by the
6: ears. You you didn't like it, but you also didn't want to let it go. And you know, before the revolution, the founders really thought around the time of the revolution, the founders really thought that slavery would wither away of its own. They looked around them and they saw the world is coming is is waking up and getting rid of things like monarchy and things like that. So of course, gradually slavery will go away. What they didn't anticipate really was that machinery, particularly the cotton gin would make slavery so much more profitable and that beginning in around 18 that Southerners would start saying slavery was not a necessary evil, but a positive good. They didn't anticipate that, and that is what really is primarily responsible for the Civil War. Now, Jefferson deserves blame, of course. For among other things, Jefferson thought that whites and blacks could never get along in the United States because he thought whites would never give up their racism and blacks would never forgive whites for slavery. And he could not, I think, about the the United States as being a multiracial country. And he deserves blame for that. Nevertheless, he also is the chief articulator of the principle of American equality on which a a, a multiracial society is based. And so to to just. Say well, you know, Jefferson was a, owned slaves, and as if that is the sum of his contribution or his character shows a degree of historical ignorance that I think is really perfectly represented by tearing down a Thomas Jefferson statue. I mean, they're they're basically telling us who they are. They are people who are too stupid to open a book.
2: Well, to put some of that in context, the major slave revolt in Haiti that occurred; these were slaves that belonged to the country of France. Happened late 1700s, early 1800s, when uh, when uh, TJ was president. So, a pre- so he, he we had an example of a slave revolt, a very violent slave revolt.
6: More than one. There was a, there was a, a revolt called Gabriel's Rebellion that occurred after Jefferson's retirement, and there's a very interesting letter. He writes this letter to James Monroe, who is then the governor of Virginia, and he says, "Hey, you know, you you might consider going easy on these people who rebelled because if you think about it." They were right, and we kind of deserve it. That's a really amazing document for a person to write. He, Jefferson did not say, kill them all because I hate them based on their race or something. What he said was, their claim to liberty is legitimate. And and, and although you know he's terrified for the safety of the, of the country and those sorts of considerations, he acknowledged that black people are just as entitled to liberty as people of any other race. And he looked forward to a future generation when Americans would wake up to that idea. Now, Maybe he should have done more. I think he should have done more to to bring about that day. But nevertheless, that's, Completely different than the picture that's portrayed by social justice activists, who, as I say, are essentially ignorant of or purposely lying to Americans
3: about Jefferson's legacy. Do you think there's an element in this? We're talking to Tim Sandifer, by the way, vice president for litigation at the Goldwater Institute, about, among other things, the uh, soon-to-be taken-down statue of Thomas Jefferson there at the New York City uh, legislature. Uh, Do you think there's an element of what Orwell was talking about in 1984 that uh, you erase the culture, you erase the history? you change the dates, you change the language, and all there is is the ever, the never-ending present in which the party is always right. Do you think that's an element
6: I, in this? I think that we could definitely end up in such a situation. Right now, I don't think we're quite there. I think instead what's happening is that the, the racist lie of the 1619 Project and its affiliated uh, undertakings is this idea that America is fundamentally and was created as a white supremacist nation purposely excluding other races and that this is manifested in the evils of capitalism, which is a fundamentally racist system of government and so forth and so on. And I think people who who say this really believe it, and they really think that what we'll do is cleanse away what they see as the emblems of, of inequality and evil and end up with a society where we've purged ourselves of these bad things. Now, nobody can deny it would be nice to purge ourselves of bad things, and I totally favor the tearing down of Confederate monuments for precisely that reason. I think it's ridiculous that the nation would celebrate Confederates. Nevertheless, they are misguided in their idea that the American Constitution, and I use that with a small c, I mean the entire Constitution of America is fundamentally white supremacist and evil. If they say that, then they are agreeing with the Confederates. They are agreeing with the enemies of Thomas Jefferson, who said, all men are created equal and are all equally entitled to the blessings of liberty. Now, if you say that America is only for whites and always was only for whites and that we need to overthrow the Constitution because black people are not entitled to the protections that it promises, then what are you if not a a signatory to the entire program of the Ku Klux Klan? And yet that is the ideology that has absorbed large segments of the left in this country and is responsible for tearing down statues of Thomas Jefferson as if there's no moral distinction between him and Jefferson Davis.
2: And you say we're not there yet, the Orwell quote that Joe just read, but, um, Barack Obama yesterday in a tweet about the death of Colin Powell quoted Colin Powell about America being the last best hope for Earth, which I think it is, especially as we learn more about, uh, China's, uh, military abilities yeah. and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, uh, it was, it would have been unimaginable. Geez, I think even five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, That a Jefferson statue would come down, so you gotta be somewhat concerned where we'll be five years from now.
3: Well yeah after all oceania was not built in a day huh? Huh? huh yeah yes and
6: it's not just the left of course it's also the right i mean the, our former president was unable to articulate any distinction between jefferson davis and thomas jefferson and came out and said well if you tear down statues of robert e lee then you're going to have to tear down statues of thomas jefferson and the left took him at his word so it's not just ignorance on the left it's also ignorance on the right what americans need if they are going to salvage this nation and as a consequence of that salvage a um, the world from the on-rushing hordes of totalitarianism that we are now seeing uh, waken themselves and grin at each other is to r- restore the uh, centrality of the principles of the Declaration of Independence in our life. And that means reading it for its truth, recognizing that the people who wrote it were right in uh, pledging their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor in its defense, and for us today to make a similar pledge. But that's not possible as long as we continue going around trying to find ways of, of demonstrating how uh, ignorant we are, such as this.
3: Well and I would say the idea that uh, a person is a villain because uh, when they state their aspirations they haven't reached them all is just a, right. a, a dumb way to look at life.
6: Absolutely uh, right. You know Tom, uh, Lincoln gave this great speech the the Cooper Union speech in 1860 and he said when you when you read the Dred Scott opinion or you listen to what the confederates say they they say the the, the founding fathers didn't really mean all men are created equal when they wrote the declaration of independence. And what is their evidence? He says Lincoln says they only we have one piece of evidence, and that is that the Founders did not immediately free their slaves. That's the only evidence they have for saying that the American Founding Fathers did not think the Declaration of Independence meant black as well as white. And yet there are all sorts of reasons why the Founding Fathers did not immediately free their slaves. For instance, it was illegal in Virginia for much of Jefferson's life to free your slaves. You, if you did free your slaves, you were legally obligated to send them to Africa, which, of course, most of these slaves had never even visited Africa in their lives. So that would have been cruel and inhuman, and Jefferson could, and you couldn't afford it also. So th- there's all sorts of reasons why the Founding Fathers didn't free their slaves. It does not prove that they did not mean it when they said all men, regardless of race, are created equal. And it does not mean that that principle is not true.
3: Tim, we have to have Jan again soon to talk more about the Declaration of Independence and why it's important. Uh, Tim Sanford, Vice President for Litigation, Goldwater Institute. I'm afraid we're up against a break, but Tim, brilliant as always. I can't wait to re-listen to this segment. Thanks. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks.
2: I don't want to be the heaviest show in America, but if there's anything I could do for the world, it would be to have people awake to the idea that it is a real possibility. That a government style like China's ends up enveloping the world and dominating humankind for the next 1,000 years. That could actually happen. And the only thing standing in its way, really, is the United States of America. The last best hope of mankind. Barack Obama's
0: right about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Armstrong and
3: Exciting, writes Mike, it's Joe's chance to be a victim. I'm sorry, it's actually Sarah writing that. Ah, uh, She says, divesting uh, myself from my right-hand priv- privilege and standing with you lefties, I'm an ally. Click to Christopher Rufo, who's been so valuable in calling out a lot of the uh, Wokshevik uh, mania. He tweeted, they're really trying to make critical hand theory. Right-handed oh, so, privilege, this, right-hand bias. This one's got to be parody." How being a lefty taught me what I don't know about racism. This is right-handed. Not. Check your privilege. This has got to be parody. Absolutely not. I'm looking at the articles right here. What? Oh, oh, listen, listen to you. Listen to your right-handed fragility. Denying that it's a real thing that I'm oppressed. Unbelievable. I, I don't want you to claim you're not anti-left-handed. You need to be Anti-anti-left-handed. I need to be actively pro-left-handed. Exactly. And you're not allowed to talk either. Only I get to talk because I just climbed to that top of the victim heap. Oh, yeah. Until some, you know, lefty of color comes along, then I got to shut up. then some gay lefty of color comes along, and then he's got to shut up. And then a lesbian obviously trumps the gay person of color lefty. And
2: I could go on, but I think you get the point. And if you were a trans female lefty mm. winner, chicken dinner, single mom, I think you're at the top of the
3: heap. Oh, yeah, oh. clearly, clearly. Cool. Mr. Casey near Portland writes, and this factors into some of the policies we're going to talk about later on in the show. I've lived in the Portland area since 1993. That's a good long run. In that time, I've seen a once-beautiful city turned into a ghetto thanks to progressive politics. What's remarkable is the rapidity which, with which the transformation took place. Mm. In short order, a once-livable community it's turned into a living hell. Then he talks about keep Portland weird, et cetera. Then last summer, the weirdness was supplanted by violent riots, which continued nightly for months with the help of ineffectual leadership that viewed him as progressive righteousness. As this was happening, the vagrant drug addicts began to infiltrate our city, unfettered under the guise of displaced human people. Progressively, the city showed compassion for these people through a policy of allowing free-range insanity. Today, Portland has become increasingly unlivable, over a thousand shootings, et cetera. Can't go downtown, no law and order. Yeah.
2: And uh, I thought- saw feature on uh, Seattle last night on the news. Uh, So schools were closed for like a year and a half. And during that period of time the junkies moved in and set up camps along the uh, like bike paths and that sort of stuff leading to the school. So it's not school property, but it's all the nice uh, parkways and that sort of stuff leading to and from the school well and it's obviously where lots of little kids are going to be every damn day well it used to be they don't go there now because uh you know parents are too uncomfortable to like have their kid ride down that bike path anymore or walk right. or whatever and uh this, the city says they well i can't do anything about it it's not school property and these people have to be somewhere and so there you go you we've lost ride, our minds can't ride your bike to school in a beautiful neighborhood anymore Giving away civilization. It's just crazy. It's so freaking crazy. I try to stay calm about it because there's nothing you can do about it. It's happening where I live. It's happened where I live. Not happening. It's already happened. It's crazy, but it's yeah. just
3: what it is. It's utterly unprecedented, too. No civilization in history has had that policy. Uh San Antonio Dave writes on our incredibly popular Let's Go Brandon Armstrong and Getty t-shirts. <laughs> um, how Um is it that your Let's Go Brandon t-shirt doesn't have the Brandon the Breaking News donkey on it? When the news breaks, the donkey brays. Well, it's it's a it's it's a little confusing. That would be like a double reference.
2: So nobody's trademarked that phrase yet. Of course, um, we could claim. I don't. We could claim uh, rightly that we're talking about Brandon, the breaking news donkey, which has been it's been his name forever. Right there, he is. Good boy, Brandon. Here's a carrot. Ah. So anyway,
3: order your T-shirt at ArmstrongandGetty.com. It did occur to me uh, yesterday that uh, the first well, the initials of Let's Go Brandon are LGB. LGBTQ. LGBT, let's LGBT. Let, Mr. Prime Minister, I'm L, trying to make LGBT. a joke here. <laughs> let's go, Brandon. Till quiet. <laughs> LG No.
0: Armstrong and Getty. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
5: A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
5: back.